the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known it won't be long your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God and every secret deed and thought every wrinkle every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
You can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm the only shelter from the coming storm. Suddenly, unexpectedly, the curtain of time is pulled back, and in his dream Nebuchadnezzar sees stretched out before him the history of the world until the coming of Jesus in the, in the clouds of glory. He doesn't understand what he's seen. But Daniel, the servant of the Lord, comes, tells him his dream, tells him the meaning of his dream, and tells him that he is the head of gold, but that after him will come a kingdom inferior to his. He wants no part of that. He wants his kingdom to last for eternity. And so he challenges the Lord God of heaven with a different history of the world. And instead of different nations playing their part, he's determined that Babylon will have it all. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Now, you're not surprised that on the plain of Dura, he builds a great statue, 90 feet tall, 5 feet wide. It's his kingdom. It's Babylon. He erects this image of gold, nine feet wide, 90 feet high. And then as it's completed, he wants everyone to fall down and worship him. I'm sure the face of that statue was his face. So all of the governors, the treasures, the judges, every one of them port, is delivered an invitation and there are no refusals. 
Now the herald loudly proclaims to this very august assembly, this is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, in other words, as soon as you hear the band start to play, fall down on your face and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, there are people of every nationality. And I am confident there are many Jewish people in attendance at this august assembly. And immediately in their minds, they know they have to make a decision. What will it hurt if I fall down? Nobody will know. What if I just fall down and I can pretend I'm worshiping? I don't have to worship. I can just fall down on my face. Not realizing that before God, falling down on your face is the same as worship. There are three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now they have to make a decision. They have seen the example of their their, uh, patriot. They've seen the example of Daniel. I don't know where Daniel is. He was probably sent off on a mission somewhere because the king knew he would not bow down and worship. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're administrators in the province of Babylon. They're very important people. They are expected to fall down and worship. But in their hearts, they have already settled the question. That was settled when they prayed with... Daniel, for God to reveal the meaning of this image. They know what Daniel told him. Daniel has told his three friends the same thing. They know the wickedness of this man who is larger than life, a a general, a king. He holds in his hands the lives of every man in his kingdom. If he says this man should die, he will die. If this man should live, he will live. If you are to be dishonored, he will cause you to be dishonored, beaten. This is a kingship. He has total authority. And now everyone is expected to fall down and worship. So they hear the sounds of the band playing. And all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fall down and worship the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, like three thumbs sticking up in the air are the three Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego. They did not bow their heads. They stood tall and straight. I'm sure there were those around them who were friends who said, Hey, guys, get on your face. He's going to kill you. Don't do this. That's, this is rebellion against the king. He will execute you. Don't you understand? You don't have an option here. If you want to live, get on your face. Nobody will know. Who will know? Look at the crowd. Come on, guys. Get on your face. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm sure, smiled at them and said, No. No. We're not going to bow down. I wish the American church had had that courage to say, you have identified us, government, as non-essential. We believe we are essential, and we are not going to close our Sunday or Saturday services. We're just not going to do it. You can do whatever you need to do to us. You can take our property. You can fine us. You can put us in jail. We are not going to bow. But the pastors of this age have no backbone. And so they gladly closed their churches. Oh, they went online and now we're online. Are you kidding me? Churches quickly took the 501c3 even though they were not required to by law. But the IRS said, we'll easily recognize you if you take the 501c3. But now, don't speak about politics. Don't speak to the moral issues of our day. Keep your mouth shut. And the church has said, oh, okay. We'll bow down and worship. And down on their faces, the American church went, Oh, everybody is saying that that we have to accept this new understanding that there's not any sin in homosexuality, that we have to receive everyone, that we that we can't judge, that we have to we have to go along with the culture. Okay, we'll go along with the culture. We'll put up a, a rainbow flag in front of our church. How I wish the American church would have stood like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, this is sin and we are not going to do it. But no, the American church has no backbone because its people have no backbone. We'll go along to get along. If you tell us that we have to do this and this and this, thank you very much, Mr. Government. We'll do it. Thank you very much, culture. We'll do what you demand we do. Oh, you want a drag show at Sunday school? Okay, we'll do a drag show. We'll sanitize it a little bit, but we'll do a drag show for the kids. 
no measurable difference between what the world pagan population does and the American church does. Instead of converting the world, the world has converted the church. I listened last night to the speech by Donald Trump as he made his announcement of another run for the presidency. I've got to hand it to the man. He has endless courage and endless ambition and I believe endless love for the for America. But I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to turn it off and go to prayer. He can't make America great again. Why? Because only repentance, only obedience to the will of Jesus can make this nation great again. Evil has riddled the people and the church of America. To have a republic such as we have requires a moral people. America is basically an honor system. We have betrayed that honor. And so violence and crime, sanctuary cities that are no sanctuary but are pits of hell, every ugly, ugly thing is being done in America. And Donald Trump does not have the ability to turn it around. Now, he may win the presidency again, although I seriously do not believe he will. But America cannot be turned around by a politician. It's going to take a prophet who will call for righteousness and who will call for great signs of God like Elijah did when he came and said, for the next three years there will be no rain in this land and God turned off the rain. But finally he went to Mount Carmel. And on Mount Carmel, there was a great demonstration of the power of God. How long did that revival last? Maybe 24 hours? And Jezebel stood in and she said, I'm going to do to you what you've done to my prophets. And all Elijah could do was run now, I love where he ran. He ran to the mountain of God, and he met with God. And when he came out of that encounter with the Lord, he was filled with power. And for 20 years, he ministered in the nation with no revival. Is there going to be a great revival in America? I believe there is going to be a bringing together of a small remnant of people in a revival setting. But it will not turn this nation. This nation is utterly given over to evil, to destruction. 
Blood soaks the land of America. It gives me no pleasure to say this. I'm going to read for you something that was given to me. I can't tell you exactly when or how. I just know this is written in my Bible in the notes. It is God speaking. I have broken the staff of correction over the backs of my sheep who long for different pastures and whose heart is fat on that which is not holy. I will now let them pursue their own lust and I will no longer stand in their way. Let me, let me share that again. I have broken the staff of correction over the backs of my sheep who long for different pastures and whose heart is fat on that which is not holy. I will now let them pursue their own lusts and I will no longer stand in their way. I believe that that is exactly what God is saying to America today. I am no longer going to stand in your way, America. You may pursue the lust of your heart to your utter contentment. You have the staff of my rebuke broken over your back. Now choose what you will do. Reminds me of the passage in Revelation. Let him who is holy be holy still, and let him who is vile be vile still. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand straight like three boards. There's no bend in their back. They have a backbone made of iron. Now, the report goes to the king. O king, there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Oh, how I long for Christians who will not serve the gods of this world and particularly will not bow down to the gold, to the money, to the prosperity of this nation. Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He summons these three administrators in his kingdom. He does not remember that Daniel told him the meaning of the dream. No, he stays away from that. He's walled that off. He is now everything. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now I want you to hear me clearly. I will not serve the gods of this world and I will not serve money. I will serve the Lord God of heaven. Now they're faced with a question. You have one more chance. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, when the band plays, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? People tell me, Pastor, you have to do that. You can never be successful preaching this way. You've got to adjust your preaching so that people will at least come. No, I don't. I won't. The only hope for you is that you will repent and you will not bow down to the culture or to the money, to the gold. Well, pastor, if we don't do that, we're going to die. Will you? Are you willing to die for Jesus I've asked a number of people that question, and I've always been a little frightened by the answers that I've received. People have said to me, yes, pastor, I am willing to die for Jesus. Because that brings on an, an ancillary question, which is, if you're willing to die for Jesus, are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to turn your back on the world, the culture of the world, the lust of the flesh? Are you willing to turn your back on the money of this world? Are you willing to stop building your own kingdom and build only the kingdom of Jesus Christ? May I say, it's much easier to die for Jesus than it is to live for him. Will you live for Jesus and let go of the lust of your stomach, the lust of your appetite, the lust of your heart to go after that big money pot? Are you willing to say, I will receive only from the hand of Jesus what he gives me? And I'm not going to ask anyone for anything else. I will ask Jesus. And I will wait upon him for his reply. I think it's easier to die for Jesus than it is to live for him. If you're willing to die for Jesus, are you willing, my brother, my sister, are you willing to live for him?
I love this response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace that God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. That's the line in the sand. We will not bow down. Have you bowed down? Have you sold your soul? Are you pursuing the lusts of your flesh? The fornication? The indecencies? Are you pursuing that pot of gold? What is in your heart? Is your heart to love and serve Jesus Christ? Now, as you can imagine, Nebuchadnezzar is angry. He's furious. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. It's already a hot oil furnace. He commanded some of his strongest soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and pick them up and throw them into the furnace wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, all of their clothes. Throw them in the furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot as the flames flashed out that fire killed the soldiers who took these three worthies up. And these three men fell into the fire. Instead of becoming torches, they were immediately released from their bonds and every sign of soot or oil or anything was erased from their clothing, from their hair, and they walked around in that fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is astonished and he leaps to his feet. He says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? Oh, certainly, O king. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. The pre-incarnate Jesus came and joined Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm stunned by this. I can't just casually tell a story. It's much more than a story. It's what God did. We don't need to fear for our lives. 
We need to put our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Above the roar of the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of that furnace. And everyone crowded around them, and they found that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor a hair of their head. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire about them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. And then he promoted them and honored them. Well, we find over here in Revelation, Revelation 13, this kingdom, this beast, was coming up out of the water, out of the sea, meaning peoples. And he had ten horns. Now, this powerful beast is described like a leopard, feet like a bear, mouth like a lion. In other words, this beast of Revelation 13, this kingdom of Revelation 13, has all of the attributes of each of the previous kingdoms. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now, this beast power is going to come out with war, with death, with destruction. It will speak proud words. It will blaspheme God. And it will exercise his authority. But it's going to be a short-lived kingdom, only three and a half years. But... In the emergence of this kingdom, there is going to be much destruction, pain, persecution, and death. It will not be an easy transition. He is given power, in verse 7, to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, 
The whole world is going to follow after this beast power and the dragon who has given him his seat of authority. But the saints will not worship. They will stand tall like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they will say, no, we will not obey. We will not go along with the dictates of this kingdom that is emerging. It is a political, military, religious combine. It is the Antichrist power. Now we find there is another beast or kingdom that comes out of the earth. I believe it is America. Now he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, if you look in the Greek, it's very clear. He's speaking about something that is set up, an AI, and a demon enters into it. There can't be anything worse in our future than artificial intelligence that has been taken over by a demon. The demons want bodies. And they'll take over the AI, the artificial intelligence. This power forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of his name, which is 666. Now, what are you going to do when your pastor tells you, don't worry, take the mark, you are saved, you have eternal salvation, you are you are saved, and all of your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven at the cross. Okay, is it a sin to take the mark of the beast? Absolutely, but don't worry about it because Jesus paid the price. He knows your heart. So go ahead and take the mark so you can feed your family and take care of yourself and not die. What are you going to say when your pastor says, look, you, you sin every day. You, you're always going to be a sinner until you go to heaven. And so don't worry about this sin. You have eternal security. You're a part of the family. You can never lose your place. So don't worry. Are you going to take the mark? Most will. Most who call themselves Christians will take the mark. Because they believe in eternal security. They believe in the sinning Christian. They believe in the unconditional love of Jesus. They have compromised at every turn. They have gone to Las Vegas for the gambling. They have gone to every wicked place. 
for their entertainment. They have lived a Christian life pursuing money, prosperity, wealth, and fame. They have played all of the games on the AI. They have not loved one another, but judged and cursed one another. They don't have gentle hearts, they don't forgive, and they don't forget. They are filled with self-righteous anger, bitterness, judgments. And now they're faced with, when the band plays, you've got to fall down on your face. And you've got to worship this image that has been set up by the Antichrist. And everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, you must come and get the mark on your hand or your forehead. And you must have that mark to go into a grocery store or to go in to get your car repaired. You must fit into this kingdom of darkness. What are you going to do? Are you going to become an outcast? Are you going to become a person who stands up and says, I serve the living God of heaven. I serve Jesus Christ. And I have lived my life for him. Do with me whatever you have to do. Put me in the gas chamber. Put me in the guillotine. Do whatever you have to do. I am going to serve Jesus Christ. Now, please let me tell you, you will not have the courage to serve Jesus Christ if you have not been walking with him and rejecting the world and if your heart is still filled with lust you're still living like the devil oh pastor I've I've still got these things I've got to deal with in my life that I know I shouldn't be doing When will you stand up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, okay, that's it. I'm not bowing to my sin. I'm not bowing to the lust of my heart. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. Now, I need to say something to you that I'm not quite sure how to say. I don't know how to say this to you. But almost everything you and I have learned about how to walk as Christians is shallow drivel. There is a place of such depth and such maturity. There is a place of such love for Jesus 
and obedience to him that none of us have walked into. We've been content to live in this world at the shallow end of the pool. We've been content to get along. We've been content to use our money for ourselves and our lifestyle. And we've watched the church as it has built its great, beautiful, mega churches and fill them full of brush. But no spark to set the place ablaze. Erudite, talented, wonderful preachers who preach humanism, who preach lies, who mix a little truth with a good dose of self-esteem. They're liars. And their place will be in the lake of fire. For they have seduced God's people. I've been struggling all of my life to break free of this. I'm still not totally free. But I'm asking Jesus to give me great understanding and great insight and the fullness of the Holy Spirit to understand, not just intellectually, but in the way we walk one with another. I have been so disappointed, grieved by the anger and the bitterness and the rejection of God's people, one for another, and for me. There are many people who, if they saw me walking down the street, would turn and go the other way. They want nothing to do with me because my words have been offensive to them. My actions have been offensive to them. It's okay. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just saying that there is a place of such depth and such closeness, such intimacy with Jesus that we haven't even begun to explore. It is a land unknown to us, and we must get there. We must explore that land. We must come into the presence of Jesus, and we must walk with him boldly and no longer compromise with the world not compromise in the way we use our money, our time, our entertainment. We've got to turn this aside and seek the face of Jesus. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. Donald Trump wants to make America great again a nation filled with every evil thing, a nation filled with false religion, a nation whose pulpits purr instead of rain, fire, and brimstone on sinners. We're in trouble. Sometimes I I like to compare Donald Trump to Nebuchadnezzar. 
I see some real similarities between them. Arrogant, proud, can do. Let's make it happen. We can be great. As we set up our image to the beast and the Antichrist comes to power. I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of it. Lord Jesus, I come now before your throne to seek your face, to earnestly plead for those men and women who today, as they have listened to this broadcast, have said, yes, I am willing to die for Jesus. I ask that you give them the courage because they may have to do that. But much more so, Jesus, I ask you to give those who have listened the courage to live for you, Jesus, to no longer compromise with any wickedness, to no longer go along to get along, to no longer fall on their face in front of the television or wicked internet, to no longer fall on their face in front of their entertainment and say, well, I've been doing this a long time. It's okay. I'll keep doing it. Lord, I ask that you would come in mighty power and that the staff of correction would not be broken over our backs, but that we would pay heed and we would obey and we would do what you have asked us to do. So, Lord, I come today knowing that I have no power, that I am nothing but a simple man who loves you. And I ask, Lord, for the gift of a revival of godliness among your people and the salvation of the souls of those who see the courage of other Christians and say, you know what? I want to know Jesus. Lord, I pray for the harvest. You said the fields are white, but there are few harvesters. Lord, I pray that you will turn the heart of every man and woman listening to this broadcast to say, how can I help in the kingdom of God? How can I be a part of the harvest for Jesus? Lord, turn our hearts away from the wickedness of this world, from the corruption and the violence and the murder and the sexually immoral. Lord, turn our hearts from this wicked, wicked place called America and shelter us with your wing. Protect us with your wing. Speak with us, O Lord Jesus, and save your people. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
Well, I would love to hear from you. Our webpage is back up. I thank Brother Ed very much for all of the hard work he did to get it updated and online again. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go online to nationalprayerchapel.com. National Prayer Chapel, one word, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there you can give online, and you'll find this broadcast and many others, both on YouTube and in podcast and other resources that will help you on this journey. I'm so glad you tuned in today. I pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and that you have made a judgment decision in your heart that you will serve Jesus Christ. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.